Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, hello. Sorry for the delay. Had some technical glitches. God love those. Now we're back on the air. Alrighty. Let's uh let's get this party started. Today topic. Um pretty simple. Gonna recap the debate a little bit. I know it's been a couple of days since the debate, but sometimes we need a little time to process and to let let some things kind of take shape. Okay. So obviously you're talking to fixination dot com. Um what I do is for the last five years kind of talk about some solutions based um approach. If you've read my books, which are available on Amazon.com, um, One Grand Bargain, Why Go Conservative, FixNation.com, those are the titles, um, e-reader or paperback. If you visited my blog, um, the website, FixNation.com, if you've interacted with me on Twitter, which is at FixTheNation, you understand who I am. Uh, if you've listened to my radio shows for five years through iTunes, through Stitcher, through Blog Talk Radio, you understand who I am. Solutions-based. That's always going to be the chase. Pretty real read on things. And my history politically is kind of the, 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 the weave of my life. Started Republican, went toward conservative, and I'm kind of a collage that is now what I would title pragmatic because I'm just fed up. And I think that really speaks for a bulk of the population in the United States. I think if you go back to the history of the two-party system, the creation most recently of third parties is a, is a way of getting better representation. The huge gravitation from both parties toward independent as opposed to be party affiliated is a way of accounting for that. We in the United States want to have representation that speaks for us. We don't want representation that has no idea they're disconnected from who we are and what we are. We don't want representation that does what they want to do, not what needs to be done for us. We don't want representation that is in this power elitist microcosm bubble and ignores the mainstream masses and our frustrations, our pain, etc. Because the way this country was set up originally and all the way through it is they work for us. They're civil servants that are there to provide a better way of life for us, either directly in the laws that they enact and enforce, or by not getting in the way of our individual freedoms and liberties and letting us go pursue, you know, happiness. Right? That's kind of the, the, the chase of it all. So why do I say that before I get into debate night? Easy. Very, very easy. You have oh, – let's break it down. Let's talk about the players first off, okay? And I'm going to keep it really, really simple. Let's talk about someone like a, a Lester Holt, okay? He was the moderator. Personally, 
don't know him, don't really care about him all that much. But I will say this. Think about debate night and what he did, didn't do. One, I don't remember him through the course of the night for the bulk of it. He'd ask a general question, and for the rest of it, it was time's up, okay, respond when they'd complain. Okay. Yeah, he interrupted a couple times, but for the most part, he was a non-factor over the course of the night, and you won't remember him in a month. You will remember one little tweak about the night coming from his perspective. He asked Trump about the birther issue. And what I think is funny about that is he didn't ask her the equivalent question. And he that's not a topic for debate. Right? Like if you want to talk econ- you know, the economy, they both have different stances. Immigration, different stances, stuff like that. Birther is just his role in handling, poorly handling, not handling, whatever you want to say, stance he wanted to take, and defending the position or accounting for it. But if you can do that, why wouldn't she go and hold her accountable to a similar awkward moment? You know, if the whole point of the question was to get something and to, to, to deep dive and to see their, their, their reaction, their personality, their, their judgment, their thought process, if that was the point of the question, don't you have to jump over to her and have her ask, an, ask her an equally awkward question and pursue that deep dive? So I thought that was a little telling. I think if anything is a takeaway from the moderator's sense of it, probably that. But there's also what you didn't hear. And see, what I don't, I, what I don't get is what wasn't covered. And we're going to get to that because that is a monumental issue by being, weird word, non-discussed, the vacuum, the lack of topics is what I thought was the takeaway from this debate. There was a whole lot of talk and not a lot of substance. There were a few broad questions, but there wasn't a lot of direct cross-examination follow-up from the moderator. And I thought that was a really, really bad decision on his part. Because part of what you want to do is really drive the detail and the nuance and get the candidates to separate on an issue and to get some real meat on the bone solution or issue-based answer. I don't think he did that at all, let alone a little or poorly. I thought that was a non it was it was a he wasn't there. He didn't participate. Now if you want to go from the stance of well, he just let him go. 
okay, I can kind of see that. But then don't your questions have to be a little quicker and cover more of the gamut and let them kind of really kind of hash some things out? Then why would you pick three broad scope topics? Why would you stay within that range and an hour and a half later really don't cover anything of substance except a few topics? So I thought that was that was there was a little too too loose a framework. The good news is for debate two, I'm pretty sure it's a town hall format. Now that's when they take questions from the audience as well as from the moderator. Now that will be really interesting because that will be ping pong. That will be that that will be interesting because you never know where the next question comes from. As opposed to here's our prefab list. It's a little bit more random chance. Yeah, they'll probably stay within the mainstream of core topics, but if you're in that crowd, you get to ask that, right? So that's more the moderating the format piece. Now, I will say let's just let's just take face value of the debate and see who won or lost. Now again, I told you my background. I think she won the night. If you look at this debate by itself, who, quote unquote, handled themselves better, articulated better, I think she won the night. Now, I don't say she slammed him. I think she won the night. She gets the nod. I think both candidates did, for the most part, what they needed to do. Okay. What is it that they needed to do? He needed to not melt down and give them something negative to go with. He needed to beat his very low bar, and he needed to not bludgeon her into submission like a Neanderthal bully that he sometimes comes across as. Victory. She needed to reinforce the base. She needed to stand her ground to the quote-unquote Neanderthal bully. She needed to articulate. She needed to humanize a little. And I, she was pretty robotic, but there were some, there, some, some loose moments for her, for her. So I don't think either one of them really won or lost in this particular battle with anybody that they were trying to, quote-unquote, go get as a voter. If you look at this particular debate in isolation, she has hers, he has his, and there's still a small group in the middle that's, uh, no one convinced me, but no one scared me. I'm still non-committed. That's my guess. But I will say one thing, one very odd thing. At the very end of the debate, Trump made a claim that he was going to go after her on something, but I'm not going to. Your family's here. Chelsea's here, the daughter. And, you know, I'm going to be the bigger man, basically. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to do it. 
I think that was a mistake. That's me personally. That's the alpha male in me. That is the, 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 the man in me. It is the politician, quote-unquote, in me. Because to me, she's not a female. She's not a mom. She's a candidate for president of the United States. I will speak for me. I don't have a president who is male or female. I don't have a president who is black, white, Asian, Hispanic. I don't, there's no, I don't care what religion you are, what race you are, what gender you are. It means nothing to me. I care about you, the leader. I care about you and your actions and words. I care about how you represent the United States, and I, how, I care about how you affect me and my family moving forward, both in your actions and your inactions. I couldn't care what gender you are. I couldn't care what your family thinks. So I would have gone after her. However, he chose not to. So for me, that was a disappointment because to me, that is a battle he should have fought right there. She went after him for being a sexist. He should have just unloaded on her for all the baggage that Bill brings. Okay, But every female who watched the debate I've talked to, every, came away with the same take. No, I liked he did that because it was deferential to family, it was respectful, and it was stable. And again, we all have different perspectives. So my question to you in your inner monologue, in your head, in your life, is that something you walked away with? Did you walk away that, no, that was a good decision. I'm glad he did that. I think that was, that was presidential. Or did you walk away going, oh, come on, unload on her? Did you want to see, quote, unquote, Trump be Trump? Question mark. And, and, and time will tell, by the way. Here's the weird part. And now, I, now, I told you that I think she won the day. I th- you know, she got the edge. I think they both beat their particular bars. Here's the weird part. The USC daily tracking poll, the next day, because again, the, the, the tracking poll the day of was already done. The next day, though, Trump moved up, she moved down. And I found that to be interesting. The next day, Trump moved sideways. So it, it wasn't a, a spike up, spike down. And again, it's very, very short. And I'm not a poll guy. I don't, I don't believe in them in snapshots. But it's the first glimpse that we could get that wasn't an online biased piece. Because in about a week, we'll start getting poll numbers that were done after the debate completely. And we'll see if there was any real ripple in the pond, so to speak. But I thought that was really telling. Because I thought she walked away with the victory for the day, yet that daily tracking poll gave him a bump up. Specifically in males and specifically in African Americans. And again, I think that was telling. We'll get to that in a minute. So then, let's, let's go around some of the issues. Now, if I ask you again, Remember back to debate night. Give me in your mind a list of t- 
topics that were discussed. They were either asked by the moderator, okay, or made a big deal of all the way through. Okay, economy's in there. They got the taxes a little, tax policy. Okay. I remember birther. I remember tax returns. What else is in there? National defense, kind of. Now, see, I start to get wishy-washy right now because the whole blathering of the hour and a half didn't have a lot of substance. A lot of it was, you're horrible, and the other side is, you don't have a plan and, you know, you aren't stable. Whoosh, tax returns. Whoosh, ties to this. Whoosh, over here. And no offense, that's not what I think this debate platform should be about. What do I mean by that? Sometimes what's not talked about is even more telling. So I'll give you an example. I'm going to go slightly sideways, but I'll come right back, I promise. In what I wrote, I have a current, what I call a contract with America. Remember that agreement back in 1994? I wrote a new one for 2016. So here it goes because it kind of gives me – because if I had my wish list of 12 things, these are 12 things I really think that we need to jump all over. Okay, and I'm going to use this as kind of a template. Require all laws passed to be pay-as-you-go and have a true path to pay for it within the budget. Now, that addresses deficit spending. It addresses the national debt. Never discussed as a topic. It was mentioned by Trump as $20 trillion debt, yada, yada, yada. She never took it on, and it was never brought up as a topic by the moderator in the format. Two, require a vote to repeal and replace uh, the Affordable Care Act. We know it as Obamacare. Never dealt with. Health care reform, never dealt with. Require all laws that apply to the rest of the country also apply to Congress. Never brought up. Require a vote on tax reform within the first 100 days. Okay, they discussed taxes in a broad sense. They were not drilled down on. They were not asked to frame out their position. They genuinely, you know, very broadly mentioned it. And then bash the other one for having a plan that didn't work. Require a vote on immigration reform. Never talked about it. They never got to immigration. Pass a balanced budget on time in year one and start a process for a balanced budget amendment. Never talked about a balanced budget. Never talked about budgeting. Never talked about national debt. Require an internal audit of the Federal Reserve. He mentioned the Federal Reserve. She didn't. And no one else discussed it. Require a vote on the Supreme Court nominee. Nope. Never talked about the SCOTUS. Not one little mention. Require a view repeal process to establish to eliminate burdensome regulations. He brought up burdensome regulations, but it wasn't brought up by the moderator, and she definitely didn't talk about it. Vote on term limits. I don't expect them to bring that up, but you get my point. Require a vote to repeal, replace Dodd-Frank, and include reestablishment of Glass-Steagall. Got a tip for you. Never brought up the financial package 
that was passed that's choking lending in this country that is hamstringing a lot of businesses. Never brought up. Require a vote to consolidate the cabinets from 16 down to 8. Okay, now that's my personal, but it addresses scope of government. It addresses how are you going to start to rein in government spending to get a balanced budget. It addresses what decisions would you make to balance a budget and to start paying down the debt, which they never got asked. So let's just kind of make a general feel. And again, if you go to my Twitter feed, at Fix the Nation, I've got a poll running right now. What topic would you want to have talked about in the next debate? And the four options that I put out there were immigration reform, health care reform, oh, criminal justice reform. Oh, I'm losing the last one. How is it education reform? I would, just, I would you think about this? Those topics I just rattled off weren't talked about. You had an hour and a half with the two people who will hold our fate in their hands, one of the two, and didn't get to some of the big bucket items that radically impact our world. The three big topics right now on the table are uh, economic job, immigration, national security. They talked national security. They never got into plan to defeat ISIS details. Now, I'm not talking about the nuance of dates, and but, but general policy. They never talk about dealing with real-time terrorists. They never talk about refugees and vetting people and protecting us from terror within. They never dealt with the immigration you know, piece of it, which is securing the border in one sense of it, which is another national security issue. That's just, to me, that's a little craziness. 70% or 65% of the U.S. hates what Obamacare is doing to this country. Yet it was never talked about. We spend the most money on education humanly possible on the planet, and we have like 25th or 30th best outcome from that money. That's a horrible, horrible ratio. Criminal justice. Can we talk about this a minute? The last time we revisited it was in the mid-90s. It has some inherent flaws in how the system is set up right now. It's one of the reasons that everything from a Tulsa to a Charlotte to an El Cajon, wherever you want to talk about it, whenever there's a shooting, it's a police officer, it's a black suspect, and boom, the town erupts. It doesn't erupt because someone got shot. It erupts as a, a reaction to an oppressive feel in that community. We don't have hope. We don't have opportunities. We don't have chance. We don't have education. We don't have leadership. We don't have policies that work. No one hears us. No one addresses us. No one fixes us. Boom. It's not complicated, people. It truly isn't. And in all 
other topics. That's one that I think needed a lot of love and attention. You know what? Nothing. Not a whisper. Not a mention. make you kind of think like do we truly want to go through this and not talk about things which brings me to the fourth person at the party because there's the moderator there's trump there's clinton and there's the fourth person at the party which is the media both in the coverage of and the spin of so let me get this right we're going to make a big deal out of the beauty queen, but we're not going to dig into the Clinton Foundation. Yeah. Priorities. Here's the funny part. Tax returns were brought up by the moderator right to Trump. Now, again, that's not a two-sided issue. That's just a one-sided issue addressed to Trump to make him have an awkward moment. Here's the weird part. You do understand that he's under zero, zero legal obligation to produce them. So this is the nut. The moderator and the media want his tax returns, but they don't push at all on the emails that were deleted, which were a criminal act by her. Not at all. It's a pass. That is illegal. Now, you can say, oh, well, the FBI did an investigation. They cleared of it. They didn't clear of anything. She did everything wrong and still walked away because they, quote-unquote, didn't find intent. Two-part problems with that. One, never asked questions about intent. Number two is when you consciously, actively participate in deleting emails, it's an intentional act by default. That is intent. that no one has the courage and independence to stand and deliver on that does not make it so. That's not me wishing it to happen. That's a statement of fact. Flip the tables. Are you ready for this? Flip the tables. She hasn't released her tax returns, but he... The Republican had deleted 30,000 classified emails, or, or emails including some that were classified. Do you think the media plays this the same? Do you think that they're all over her about tax returns and ignore him? Or do you think they ignore the tax returns because, well, there's no legal standing for it, and froth on him? Remember Woodward and Bernstein back in Watergate? That investigative reporting that wouldn't relent until they got to, quote-unquote, the truth? That's what you'd have going on right now. 
they would dig and dig and dig and push and push and push until they got this resolved. There's no way that he would ever escape that. And that, my friends, is one of the most damning things about this election. Because he, to the Main Street masses, has a pretty direct connection. He resonates with a whole lot of people. She plays an elitist game. She raises big money from the elites. She absolutely empowers the elites. She revolves in that. She does as few public obligations as she can because the Clinton name is what's going to take her to the White House, in her opinion. She has no concern for Main Street. How do I know that? Because she wants the African-American vote. She wants the inner city vote because Democrats have always had that. That's a statement because they believe that that vote is locked in because they always vote that way. I think she's making a huge mistake because I think Trump has a, has a true solution on the table and opportunity to take some of that inner city vote back because he actually has some things there that will help that particular world. Number two, she expects in full the Hispanic vote. Why? Because the DNC paperwork said, quote-unquote, they're very loyal to us. They're a loyal culture. You know, because she profiled them. The DNC profiled Hispanics as being very loyal. That's a profile. You know, just like you don't want Trump to do to Muslims, right? You get my point. He's all over the immigration issue. Therefore, it's going to upset Hispanics. Here's the problem with that. Her policies don't help Hispanics. So she can't get the male vote. She's going to lose some of the African-American vote. She's going to do half as well with millennials as someone like an Obama did or even someone like a Bernie Sanders would. I don't think she has the excitement in her base. I don't think she can win this on herself. What do I mean by that? She does not control her own fate. She cannot win or lose this election. This election will be won or lost by how Donald Trump performs in the next 40 days. Because he can affect his own world, good or bad. So let's go back to debate. Tactics. I said she won the night, if you think about it, in isolation. Okay? Now I want you to take three steps back and picture the debates, one, two, and three, as a package. Picture it like a story. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. In war, you have campaigns that make up the war overall, right? This was only stage one. This was only 
the first act of the play. If Donald Trump was to position himself as being respectful, deferential, shook her hand, warm smile, didn't destroy the family right there on day one, was a little bit more passive, she was the aggressor, okay? She hit him with pretty much everything she could. Birther this, tax return this, sexist this, racist this. There's really not a lot of surprises to come out. Okay? And if you apply the law of diminishing returns, the shock and awe factor is now completely over for him. In debates two and three, what else are you going to say? Tax return part two? Racist part two? Been there, done that. There's not a lot of new ammunition to toss in. He'll probably be sculpting a better response, but it also will have a lot less impact in debate two. Reverse the table. He has most of his issues still left ready to play. We didn't talk about Benghazi in the debate. We didn't talk about Clinton emails in the debate. We didn't talk about pay-for-play in the debate. We didn't talk about Clinton Foundation in the, play, in, the, in the debate. We didn't talk about her selling uranium to Russia in the debate. We can keep going on. It's endless. There are a lot of issues, and they're personal and they're awkward moments that have yet to bubble up to the surface. And no matter what you do, you can't get away from that because he can always churn the pot with those during the next two debates. So I'll be curious how he utilizes those to get bang for buck from them. Number two, now that he's been the kinder, softer, softer Donald Trump, I expect him to ratchet that up a little bit in debate two and be more the aggressor. I think he will prep more than he has. But I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say it this way. I don't think Donald Trump needs to prep like the normal person needs to prep. Meaning, if you're a career politician, you know, you're, you're, you want to love, just dive into nuance and details. That's not what he really needs to do. So I'm going to give you what Donald Trump's response should be to every single thing that's ever asked of him. Pick an issue. It doesn't matter. Here's the format. You know, so, Mr. Trump, what about XYZ issue? Well, to put it quite frankly, in the last 26 years since she's been in power, that issue has really suffered. Her policies have failed. Everything she's tried hasn't worked, and that's why it's in such a bad situation today. The reason that I should be elected and the reason I'm looking for your vote is because my, as I look forward, policy is we driven by these five core items. One, two, three, four, five. What we've tried in the past hasn't worked. We need to try a new direction, vote for change. If you want the status quo that's already been proven to have failed us in the last 26 years since she's been in power as an establishment candidate, vote for her. 
But if you want change to get this place to be a better country for all of us and to enjoy whatever the issue is in a better way, vote for me, vote for change, and believe me, I will deliver for you. Now, you see that format? That's his strong response to every issue. And all he has to do is sculpt out a small soundbite about what he would solve. He needs to bludgeon her with establishment, failed policies, 26 years, elitist, big money, couldn't care about the masses policies. And it's easy to do. Every four years, the Democrats go back to the inner cities and want to rally the base to get the minority vote. I want you to think about the insulting way that has to play out. And again, I will go back to the National Urban League. Their own Main Street Marshall Plan literally says that for decades, and they're talking like 50 or 60, and trillions of dollars spent, we haven't moved the needle. That's a fact. That's a quote. So let's not discuss whether or not it's true. This is them saying it. So now we know it's true. Two ways out. Try the same crap and expect a different result. Nope, that's Einstein's definition of insanity. Or change the dynamics and fix it once and for all. That's what Donald Trump needs to bring to the table and flesh out and give them a real path to prosperity in this country called America. He can do it. He's spoken about it. He's alluded to it. He's interested in it. Because here's the thing that people don't get about Donald Trump, and by the way, most GOP and definitely most conservatives. We don't really care about gender or race or religion as a scale of success. We don't filter that way. Can you do your job or not? That's the qualifier. Did you do your job or not? Are you good or are you bad? Did you have a fair shake or not? Did you fail or succeed or not? None of that is race-related. None of that is religion-related. When you want to filter out people who can't be vetted properly, that's not racist. That's common sense. That's not religious phobia. That's having a strong national defense so we don't get slaughtered. It's not an insult to anybody on the planet. It's a way of preserving America so we aren't literally lambs at the slaughter. So there are multiple issues. Bigger government is what she stands for. Massive spending increases is what she stands for. Higher taxes is what she stands for. And then you also need to play this card if you're Donald Trump. Think about this. Let's go forward with who gets elected and what the outcome is. 
Okay, right now, this split second, Congress is going to stay Republican for the next two years. That's a statement of fact. Senate will be about 51-49. House will be landslide toward Republican. So you're going to be working with Republican Congress. You're Hillary Clinton, and your idea to fix the, the economy is to raise taxes on the wealthy. Okay? That will never pass. She wants to increase spending at a time where we can't balance budgets and we have a $20 trillion national debt. That won't happen. I can keep going. Everything she wants to do, everything that she thinks is quote-unquote good for America, she can't get done. She's a leftist, liberal, Democratic candidate in a world of Republican Congress. You're about to get two more years of gridlock for nothing, which means Obamacare doesn't get fixed or addressed. Nothing will get fixed or addressed. We will have the same criminal justice. We will have the same education. We will have the same immigration. We will have the same national security or lack of. We will have the same economic forecast. Nothing will change. Why? Because she can't get it done. That's a fact. Politically, for two years, you are guaranteeing that this country gets locked up in gridlock politically again for two more years. Here's the interesting kicker. You do understand that this election is mostly Republicans in the Senate and Congress up for it. In two years, it'll be mostly Democrat. So what's not going to get better? It'll probably get worse in two years because the company, the country, will still want change. Because that's what this election's about. Most people in this country don't feel about 70% that we are on the right path to success. If you think you're on the wrong path, why would you stay on the same path? You make a turn. You take a fork in the road and you choose a different way. Whether you love or hate Donald Trump is immaterial. Whether you think he's the candidate you love and, and, and wanted all your life, or he's just something you have to hold your nose for. It doesn't matter. Because in the end of the day, she can't get what she wants done politically. She is, in fact, the status quo and establishment. She is only there for herself and for the power and for the elites. She has no concern about fixing Main Street. None. If she did, she'd be out talking to us. Her policies would address us. They don't. Donald Trump, on the other hand, let's say he gets elected. Guess what happens then? He gets to stand in the middle of the aisle and start to be literally the art of the deal that he is in fact. Do you truly think that Donald Trump is the most principled person on the planet? That he's just – picture Ted Cruz. There's zero version where Ted Cruz moves off his line. 
He is grounded in rock, which is why he's unelectable at the presidential level, because he can't build the constituent base to get things done. I got a tip for you. Donald Trump can bob and weave. It's the best thing about him. Now, it should scare some people because you're not sure what you're going to get. It's like that box of chocolates in Forrest Gump. Don't know what you're going to get. I got a tip for you. That's kind of a refreshing thing in this day of American politics and gridlock. We've had junk for the last 15 years that has not worked for us. We need to get this going. Immigration reform. He's going to deport 12 million people. You sure about that? That's a positioning, negotiating statement. So now when he goes into Congress, he has something to give up in order to get them on board. Everybody wins, and we move on and haven't revisited in the last 20 years. We move on and fix immigration once and for all. Tax reform. He has some wiggle room in there. He has some give and take in there, and he can get it done for all of us. And he's got a Republican House and, uh, and Senate to help him get things like this done. They'll pass it. He'll sign it. Move on. If you want to get this country to move forward again, you have to look at it realistically. And that's not a I hate her comment. That's a, if you truly want establishment, if you want someone who's been there for 26 years, who's burdened us with high regulations, burdened us with outrageously high taxes, encouraged through all the trade deals and taxes and regulations for companies to move offshore and import back into the U.S. because that's their best choice of someone who's actually overseen the decline of the middle class, the decline of minimum wages, someone who's forced immigration to the highest level ever on records of the 1920s to dilute the American culture and to sabotage the minimum wage and to sabotage middle income values, someone who's been a part of creating the $20 trillion in debt that we have, someone who embodies big government, someone who embraces 1.4% growth, which isn't even enough to actually consider it growth in what we call America. If you want that, vote for Hillary Clinton. If all that I just rattled off is something that just disgusts you and you think that America deserves a brighter day, if you want better growth, better education, reformed criminal justice, a real shot at fixing the minority inner-city poverty situation, because they're connected to criminal justice. If you want someone who's going to provide for a stronger national defense, someone who's going to truly take on immigration, someone who's truly going to be good for business and job creation to give you a chance at having a job you want, not the job you're stuck with, if you want that kind of future, then you need to walk into the voting booth and pull the lever for Donald Trump. There is not another option. She is horrific policies that have failed us. He is a change to have a chance at a better future. 
and I think it's insulting and comical that we're talking about, was he sniffing during a debate? Really? That's the takeaway. That's like saying she has a cough. Who cares? And it's not because I'm inhuman. That's not important to me. I made that clear weeks ago when this whole pneumonia, quote-unquote, thing supposedly played out. I couldn't care if she has a cough. That's not my concern. I care if she has the job and she gets it done. I care how it impacts my family. I care where she takes this country and why. Because everything has a short and a long-term vision. No one's mentioned entitlements. The beast that's going to burden us and kill us from a debt sense, and no one's addressed it. Why? Because it's politically toxic. But I got a tip for you. There's two ways to go. She wants to expand it. Good luck with that. It might be really good politically to say that, but think about this. How do you pay for it when you're $20 trillion in the hole? We're a debtor nation, and we need to act like it and fix our world. And that takes change, and that takes a little bit of courage, and it takes the vision to see it for what it is. She has failed policies that have burned us and put us in this hole. He is only here because he feels he's the guy that can turn us around and get us to a better, brighter day. I do not love this man, okay? I like what he says. I have questions and concerns, and I think a lot of people are in that vote. But I got a tip for you. She will fail us. He gives us a chance. So from FixNation.com, thank you for your time. Vote Trump. God bless.